I bet there are some things in your life that are guaranteed to put a smile on your face. Maybe think about that for a sec. What are some things that are guaranteed to put a smile on your face? And no, I don't just mean pizza, you know, although pizza, <laughs> see, even thinking about pizza put a smile on my face. Pizza is evidence of the goodness of God. So some things in your life that are guaranteed to put a smile on your face. Every time Nikki shows up, I'm guaranteed to smile. This happened to us just recently. We were downtown and I was meeting her after a session she was in and she walked around the corner and I just burst into this goofy grin. And I said to her, I'm like, it's kind of cool that after being together as long as we've been together, it'll be what, 23 years married this Christmas? So and we've been with each other, like seeing each other for what, 25 or something like that, a long time. And uh, she still makes me grin like a fool every time I see her. That's fun. Nikki is guaranteed to put a smile on my face. Maybe when your kids run into the room, even now, like after all these years, my kids still make me smile. My friend Liam Diath, he might as well be one of my kids, is here today for the first time, and I saw you just put a goofy grin on my face. He's moved into the University of Guelph to start first year. Dear friends of ours, we kind of grew up together, parents and kids. Put a smile on my face. Maybe when your kids run in the room, especially like the fool little kids, like Hunter. Is Hunter here today, Ryan? Is he in the back? Okay, so Hunter Franks. So like Ryan Franks is sitting at the back enjoying a moment of peace because Hunter is not sitting at the back. But uh, Hunter Franks is a whole ball of fun. And uh, just watch him. Like, if you want to just see something fun, just watch that kid go. He is a, he's a wild man. He's a maniac. I've told this story before, but there's always people in church for the first time. First time I met him, he tried to punch me in the nether regions. Literally ran up to me, and I could see it. Like, I understand terrorists like this. So, so, so I, I, I blocked him and grabbed his ankle and hoisted him upside down and raised him right so he was looking at me. I said, you're not going to punch me in the balls. And he went, and we've been, we've been besties ever since. But, like, that kid is amazing, right? He runs in the room and just brings a smile to my face. Maybe um, when you walk in on a Sunday, if you're me, and you hear the worship team already worshiping Jesus before you even got there, that'll put a smile on your face. Do libraries do it to you? Any other super nerds like me? Show me your hand. Jesse Wilkes, Zach Wilkes, Nikki, right? Don't you love the smell of books? I sometimes just walk into a library and I just kind of breathe for a minute, like, ah, and then I end up grinning. Honestly, every time I think about Jesus, it puts a smile on my face and it makes me want to praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands. To execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute on them the judgment written. This is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. Don't worry, I'll preach that last part like a Christian, not a Jew. If you got to that, you're like, two-edged swords. Mm. I got a good uh, twist on that one for you. Psalm 149, great, right? Isn't it beautiful? Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a, a new song. Reason number five, to praise the Lord this summer. You know why you ought to... Praise the Lord because He takes pleasure in you. Verse 4. For the Lord takes 
pleasure in His people. That's a reason to praise the Lord because you put a big old smile on His face. If you were to think about that and receive that deep into your heart, it would change your life. Am I right? If you thought and believed that every time God thinks about you, it elicits a big old goofy grin on His face. Think about that. Think about you. Now think about God. Now think about God looking at you. Now think about God grinning like he's Hunter Franks. All right, you can quit right there. There's your sermon. Two minutes. Awesome. It's enough. Isn't it enough? You don't need any self-help. I mean, I don't even know if you'd need therapy if you got to the point where you recognized. Well, that's what you keep talking about in therapy. What is it? It's, 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 it's what's the term? It's like, Total or unrestricted, what is it? Unconditional positive regard. Thank you, Nikki Fraser. Unconditional positive regard. This is the thing that we are looking to help realize that is part of their life in therapeutic practice. But if we understood who God was and how He looks upon us, we'd be like, Woo! I'm good. Because that's how God looks on you. He loves you. Put a big old grin on His face. But, but why do I make God smile? Because you sing to the Lord a new song. Ever thought about that? Imagine how happy it would make you if you were God and your people gathered together every Sunday to sing your high praises at the top of their lungs. Think that would put a smile on your face? Probably. I often say it, I have a bias. He might smile a little bit more over Africa. You've seen Africans worship. It's the best. One time in your life, make sure you go to an African church and just stand there and let that big old goofy grin show up on your face. You make him smile because you sing to the Lord a new song. The people who make God smile, I want you to notice this, sing to the Lord a new song. The people who make God smile are singers and adventurers. Sing. Did you sing much? Did you sing enough? I was praying for you this morning in the back that one of you might start singing for the first time. That you might experience the beautiful thing that happens as one of God's creatures worships the God who made them. Singing in worship is like swimming. Sometimes in church you end up with a bunch of people standing on the dock watching everyone else swim and they're thinking, I'm swimming. You're not swimming. You're around swimming, but you're not swimming. What do you have to do to swim? You have to jump off the dock into the water. So take this as a point of correction. If you've been lacking in the singing department, start. Sing to the Lord. People who sing put a big old goofy grin on God's face. What kind of song? A new song. Do you adventure much? Do you try new things from time to time? When was the last time you did something altogether new? Because that's the kind of newness the New Testament talks about, right? I've told you 16 times. New Testament new is naos, altogether new. Not new in time in, in regards to time, like it was seven minutes ago, now it's eight minutes ago. Naos new is altogether new, like something new has come into the world. When was the last time you brought something new into the world? The kind of people who put a smile on God's face are singing adventurers. 
Simple point. You want to make God smile more? Live less buttoned down. It's challenging for us. A bunch of organized Westerners in a prosperous city working our tails to the bone to try and get ahead. We're pretty buttoned down. Right? You want to make God smile more, live less and less buttoned down as you get older. My dad often said that you can tell the mark of a true lover of God because they relax as they get older. Older people who love Jesus, they don't calcify with time. They loosen up with time. I saw this in my grandparents. My dad's parents used to think television was from the devil. Right? Thank God you weren't born Pentecostal. I'm just saying. In the 50s, television was the devil. By the time the 90s rolled around, they were a little older, a little wiser, a little more relaxed, and they loved to glorify God sitting on their lazy boys watching television. Christians relax as they age. You get less and like, like undo your top button already. Find yourself a little more tense than you should be. Take this as an opportunity to act a little bit more like Hunter Franks. I could have called this sermon Hunter Franks. I know, it's crazy. It's all about you. I didn't plan it that way. Also, um, let him command your affections. Verse 1b, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Don't miss this. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. We are living for his praise. That is if you want to be the kind of person who puts a big old goofy grin on his face. We're living for his Praise. I don't know about you, but I find that tremendously challenging and convicting. Like, honestly, where does Jesus rank in the hierarchy of your affections? Is that challenging for you? Nod at me if that's challenging. Is that challenging for you? Where does Jesus rank in the hierarchy of your affections? I'll tell you how you can find out. Your JQ is a clue. What's my JQ? Your JQ, your joy quotient. Your joy quotient is a clue as to the hierarchy of your affections. Verse 2 and 3. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. Let Israel be glad. In the Hebrew here, it's Yagilu. Yagilu Israel be'adonai. Yagilu, gil, from the word joy. Except here, joy becomes a verb. Yagilu, treat joy like a verb. Let the children of Israel treat joy like a verb in the presence of God their maker. Yagilu, joy is a verb. Simple point, you need to stop acting your age. Yes, I'm counter-programming everything your parents ever taught you. At least trying. Act your age. Your urge to act your age is not a Christian one. Want to pick old, put a big old smile on God's face. You need to stop acting your age. You need to act a little more like Hunter Franks. Verse 2b, let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Why are we so happy? Because in Jesus we have been adopted into God's huge family. And who are we? We're Hunter Franks, okay? We're the fool three-year-old. I mean, he's older than three now, but it'll do. Right? That's us. You want to know who you are? Find the craziest, wildest, 
I was going to say stupidest kid in the playground. It was me when I was young. They're usually running laps and hitting people, right? Like a merry-go-round. You run around, slap somebody, and then you run away. Like, who did that? It was Todd. No, it was Hunter. No, it was Todd. No, it was somebody, right? Be like that kid. You know the kid that drives you crazy at a pool party? Next time that kid starts driving you crazy at a pool party, take it as your opportunity to repent because you should be acting more like him. Because you're a child. You've been adopted into God's family, and guess what? You're not the grandpa. You're not the grandma. You're not in charge. You don't get to call the shots. You're the fool kid at the kid's table, but you've been invited to dinner. And that ought to make you smile. So look, you want to be the kind of person who puts a big smile on God's face? Plaster a mad grin on your face. Start running laps around the room. Why? Because family means you're not alone. If that doesn't make you smile, I don't know what will. I'm doing my best here. You know, you're not alone. You're part of God's family. So start living with a smile. You are a child of Zion, which means you are an heir of God's. Do you understand what this means? You are an heir of the King of Heaven. As one of His kids, you have a part in His inheritance. I said this back in our On This Rock series, and it's stuck with me ever since. You're old money now. You're old money now. Like, super old money. Imagine if you woke up tomorrow, and you got a letter saying, you know what, we were going through the archives, and we just realized that you're one of the Rothschild heirs. We'll be wire transferring $8 billion to your account tomorrow. Cool? Pretty sure somebody would be acting like Hunter Franks, running laps around the house that they're about to sell. Or better yet, give away. Because you're old money now giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Colossians 1.12. Do you understand? That God has qualified you to be a partaker of the inheritance with the saints in the light. But why would he do this? <laughs> Verse 4. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. You, yes, you, bring God pleasure. How different is this than the version of Christianity you heard about where God is the grumpy old man in the sky just waiting to slap you? Anybody ever heard that version of Christianity? Maybe in Sunday school? Maybe in the really religious church you attended as a kid? Maybe on TV or the radio or on the internet? You got this totally wrong-headed notion that God is angry. And just waiting to slap somebody. Whoever decided to become a purveyor of that kind of twisted non-Christianity forgot the fact that you please the Lord. You please the Lord, but what about my sin? Darn that religion, it's hard to get rid of. Verse 4, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Here's the key. He adorns the humble with salvation. Any theologians in the room? He 
adorns the humble with salvation. Not of your own works. <laughs> Have you read Revelation 7? Do you remember Revelation 19? What do the saints end up wearing? White linen robes, pure as snow, washed in what? The blood of the who? The lamb. <laughs> you please the Lord because Jesus pleased the Father. And the pleasure, the unrestricted pleasure that the Father has in his Son has been applied to your life at Calvary's cross. This is what propitiation means. This is the point of the atonement. That Jesus did for you what you could not do for yourself. I was going to take my shirt off, but it would take me too long. And don't worry, I have an undershirt on. It's all good. Okay, you can't take off your dirty shirt. I should have worn a white shirt underneath my black shirt. Then I really would have been earning my living. You can't take your shirt off yourself, but the Lord's going to do it for you. Here you go. Here's some new clothes. They're spotless. They're white. And they never get dirty. The blood of Jesus keeps on cleansing us from all our sin. So your status with God never goes down. Woo! I can say that again. Your status with God never goes down. Why? Because Jesus is the perfect sacrifice forever. And his perfection has been applied to your account. I mean, could I say it? Somebody shout! You know, hallelujah, Lord! Thank you, Jesus, for that white robe. It's like his closet's full of, like, I don't even know how many are going to be saved. I assume it's going to be billions. He's got a very large walk-in closet in glory full of those shirts that he's going to give to you on that day. A deposit of which is already guaranteed you by his Holy Spirit who is at work in you. He adorns the humble with salvation. You are beautiful because God has made you beautiful in Jesus. So celebrate. Am I alone up here? Celebrate. Yes, Lord. He has made you beautiful. Ooh, I can read verses 5 through 9. Let the, see, this is why I'm excited, because I obey the Bible. Let the godly exult in glory. Oh, yes, Lord. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats. Okay, and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people, to bind the kings with chains and the nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written. This is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. Okay, look, if people aren't accusing you of being a little overexcited about this whole Jesus thing, you're kind of missing the point. You're kind of missing the point. Verse 5, let the godly exult in glory. Exult, exult, to be extremely joyful. To rejoice. I would leap off the stage, but I don't want to blow out my Achilles yet. I don't have my resurrection body just yet. To leap for joy. You ever let your dog out? With a bone? On a beautiful summer day with squirrels in the backyard? What does your dog do? He leaps 
for joy. Like a calf released from the stall. He acts like Hunter Franks. He acts like a Christian. So take your cue from my golden retriever, friend, and get happier. <laughs> to exult. I mean, you should be sticking out like a sore thumb in the midst of this lost and dying world. Yes, you should. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Do you suffer from night terrors or do you enjoy the night watches? Are you sleepless with worry? Are you just wide awake with joy because Jesus is so lovely? <laughs> I hope you're challenged this morning and encouraged all at the same time. Verse 6, let the high praises of God be in their throats. And worship team, you can join me on stage and get ready to put the high praises of God in your throats. Let the high praises of God be in their throats. This is a legendary, epic phrase from the Psalms. This is God's wish for you, that the high praises of Him would be in your throat. Let the high praises of God be in their throat. I said it before, I'll say it again. I'll keep saying it until the room is loud enough. You need to sing more. You need to jump off of the dock into the water. Good enough is not good enough. You need to sing like the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and went to a cross where He suffered and died in your place for your sin and didn't stay dead but rose again victorious, triumphing over the power of Satan's sin, death, and hell forever. You need to sing like He then ascended to His Father's right hand where He sat down in glory to intercede for you. You need to sing like one day He's coming back again to execute judgment and to inaugurate His kingdom which will have no end. You need to sing like that kingdom is a kingdom in which you have a place. And please don't tell me you're singing in your heart because you don't sing with your heart. You sing with your voice. Am I right? Yes. Yes, I am. You need to sing more. And if you're a singer, you need to sing louder. And if you sing loudly, you need to sing with a bigger smile. And if you're singing loudly with a bigger smile, you need to take up dance. And once you figure out how to dance, you need to get a tambourine. And once you figure out how to play the tambourine, you need to teach yourself how to play the lyre. And once you can sing and smile and dance while playing a tambourine and the lyre, guess what? You'll probably be ready for Jesus to take you home. So when you show up in that great assembly, you'll be ready and you won't bring shame to the name of your Savior and you'll fit right in with the assembly of the saints in their white robes who are giving God glory because he brought them from a mighty long way and if you're looking for me I'll be with Hunter Franks in the front row jumping around and screaming and I bet you my dog will be somewhere running laps around the crystal throne and who can tell how big that bone will be because he will have made all things new and look instead of grabbing serrated swords like the ancient Jews because of Jesus's great victory over our final enemies of Satan's sin death and hell we're going to grab Ephesians 6 17 sword of the spirit instead so that we can stand as the love of God embodied in a dark and loveless world and we don't execute vengeance anymore or bind up kings or lock up nobles we don't execute judgment anymore because we know that the end was written the moment our Jesus said it is finished 
So we just let love rule because we already know how this story ends with a big, goofy grin on God's face and us singing, Praise the Lord! <laughs>